Hello everybody, welcome to episode 37 of the Williams Project podcast and today we're going to be discussing what is an entrepreneur and how do you be an entrepreneur. Let's get into it. So the definition of an entrepreneur is somebody who is badass within another business. Now, we get blasted on social media that what you have to do to be amazing in this world is go and start a business. But let me hit you with some truth. I'm sure number seven at Google is richer than 99.9% of all business owners. Now, that's not verified, I just made that up, but I'm sure you can get the point that I'm trying to make. You can pick an amazing business, you can rise up through the ranks, you can set up commission structures and KPIs around your success um, from a monetary standpoint and also in all the other aspects that you want to achieve in your life. And today Blair and I are going to be thrashing out what makes an employee so ridiculously valuable you're going to compensate them at a high level. Yeah, like what Matthew said is there's a huge misconception at the moment that as far as from the success gurus of the Instagrams is you have to start your own business, you need to be self-employed, you need to have a side hustle, seven streams of income, seven businesses, and it's just so misconstrued. Like I don't know the exact facts, but most businesses go broke, most don't make money for the first three years, most don't last 10 years, like you have you're to, not signing up to good odds. You have to be yeah, a bit sick yeah. in the head to make it through that. <laughs> like the chance of actually starting a successful business and making several hundred thousands or million dollars a year is actually very, very low. The statistics of being a high paid employee or a successful contract, which we'll touch on, is substantially higher. Yeah, completely agree. So bef- I really want to dive deep on the employee part. So do you want to get the contractor part out the way? You told that great story when we were walking down the road yesterday um, about the marketing company and the employee going to a contractor. What about you give people that example? Yeah, so to give you guys an example, let's just use the the profession of, say, a graphic designer. I don't quite know the exact salary of a graphic designer. Let's say it's sort of $65,000, $75,000 a year. So it's sort of it's a median above median wage and like you can have a reasonably good life with that now if you look to be say an entrepreneur going right how do i how do i progress how do i be better you can sort of look at the contract and approach so if you're a contract graphic designer you'd probably be on about roughly 70 to 90 dollars an hour and as an employee on 70,000 you're on about 35 dollars an hour so you're actually nearly doubling your wage if you can successfully go out contracting So all of a sudden, if you can be a contractor, present yourself well, have a good portfolio and actually approach, probably starting with the business you work for and go, hey, look, Amanda, I've been really happy working here. I want to go contracting. I want to have some free time. I've got other people contacting me saying they want my services. I'm actually not that busy at work and I think I could actually successfully do my own contracting back to you 20 hours a week. What do you think? And that way, if you're quiet, you don't need to pay me. So that also saves your overhead costs. And Amanda's probably going to go, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I, was, I was actually going to role play in a really <laughs> terrible Monty Python voice saying, no, not at all. But no. But it's it's not that hard. Well, I'm not going to say it's not that hard because everything's reasonably hard when you go out contracting. But it's not that hard to turn your current employer into your first contract. 
that's literally how I started. I started a business and in the weekends I would build decks and fences and stuff. But when I first moved to Christchurch, I contracted as a builder to another building company. Yeah. It's and it, so simple. And the, the and my ben- rate went from being probably back then, the hourly rate for a builder that was about to be qualified was about $25 an hour and I was paid about 55 So it literally from a... Uh, employee wage to a contract rates about double and the benefit to the employer is they don't have to worry about your ACC don't have to worry about sick days holiday pay don't have to worry about if their business does get quiet having to keep paying you it can sack you at any time yeah literally so there is some risks involved being a contractor but if you break that down to essentially you're earning twice as much you can go right let's just start off and try get eight hours of work from one person and then let's get three companies, do eight hours a week for each one, and you've now doubled your wage. Yeah, awesome. And it's like, so simple. And then you can choose, you know, do I want to have 20, 30 hours free a week, or should I actually try to get 50 hours a week of contracting, and now I'm earning, God, 50 times, what, $70 an hour is three fifty. God, I can't even maths that. 50 three times, and a half it's, it's, it's 140000 a year, so that would be 3000 a week. Yeah, so all of a sudden you've doubled your wage. And there's a whole lot of people going, no, Matthew, it was 2,642. <laughs> but you get but, the point. Yeah, the key right. point of being an entrepreneur, though, is you can look at taking your role, depending on what it is, becoming a contractor, getting some other clients involved, which also spreads your risk as far as if one business gets quiet, whereas if an employee, if your business you work for has tough times and you let go, you don't have zero income. If you're a contractor with three, four, five, six, ten clients, you're always going to have some form of revenue stream. So now I want to dive deep on what makes for so we we own a business, rather large business now. And in your opinion, what would be the key things that make an employee extremely valuable? So let's I just want to structure the next half of the podcast and I want to talk about how to make yourself valuable enough where you are an entrepreneur and you're someone that's growing through the company and then how to ask for more money and how to ask for more status, more status KPIs. So I suppose the main thing is like we talked about in the podcast the other day around how to build a winning team. It's really an employee we're looking for is one that follows the rules we set, the guidelines we set and then two sort of goes over and above and that's not necessarily being here 12 hours a day, Saturday, Sunday, but it's just you knowing that they're doing their job to the absolute best ability and also improving week on week on week, month on month on month. And as a return, you know, the business does better. So a prime example is with project management. If they're driving the jobs well and our homes are getting built faster, we're saving interest costs, we can start other projects faster and we really benefit. And it gets to that point where it'd be a lot cheaper for the business to pay that good person more than have the prospect of them leaving and going somewhere else for a slight pay rise and us having to find someone else, spend the money on them, the time, the training, and it might take them six months to a year to get up to that point of where that current employee was. Yeah, and I I think though, what is important, you have to be good across the board. Now, I'll give you an example. If, If the project manager manages everything perfectly but doesn't put the kitchen in he's not completed his job so for someone to be the a person who dominates through a company you need a very broad understanding and you need to be able to completely execute an entire task and understand the piece before and the piece after 
Yeah, and just also like, I thought you were going to say, as far as instead of not putting the kitchen in, if they do a great job, but then have lunch and put their dishes in the sink, not the dishwasher. Yeah, that's sort of where I'm getting it's to. It's sort of like a lot of, it, a, a lot of it actually is just the intangible stuff. Just how do they present themselves? Do they, if they see a piece of rubbish, do they pick it up? Just Are they a leader? Do you start seeing that person operating slightly outside their job where it doesn't take any of their time, but you know they've now got a greater degree of respect for the company and a deeper involvement for it? So now let's say you've got a person who's absolutely amazing. Let's talk about a couple of ways in which they can ask for more money. So I'll give an example that I think is quite good. So using your project manager example before, so let's say Dan comes to us and says, what, what's our average interest cost per job? And we say it's um, $600 a day. And he goes, okay, um, I'm going to come back to you with a proposal. And he comes back and he says, for the last five years, the average construction time of the company has been 5.5 months. Can I please have a structure in place where every day I bring projects in below the median timeline can I please have 50% of the interest saving as my bonus? No. I completely understand why you feel like that. It's a lot of money. But let me talk you through the reasons why this will be beneficial for both of us. So first, that means every single day I'm out driving the projects, making sure I bring everything in. I then make a tangible financial saving for the company and it would be really appreciated my end for myself and my family if I could share somewhat in that gain with the company because that really gets me motivated to go to work. It means I can provide a better home for my family. It means my wife is going to be more supportive of the company because we're going on holidays we could never have without that money and it would really mean a lot to myself and my family. Yeah, that was good. And the only thing I'd add in is also if I was asking for a pay rise, I'd actually put in as long as you're not lying, I'm really happy with my job and what I'm doing. I see myself here for the next 5, 10, 20 years and I want to make sure it can work for both of us and I see myself, for example, in our instance, I want to buy some investment properties from the company. I want to make sure that I'm stable in my home life and make sure that I have the best foundation so I can serve the business for the next 10, 15, 20 years and this extra dollars $55,000 a year would really make a difference and the good thing is if I don't deliver, then you're paying me the same anyway. It's amazing. And do you just notice in that example where Blair was creating conflict by saying no, did you notice how I agreed with him and then just kept explaining my point anyway? One of the critical things about conflict is people like people that are agreeable with them. So you can literally in an argument say, I agree with you and then keep talking about your point. And it just completely disarms the discussion. It's such an easy way to deal with that example. And I think it's sometimes when people say no, it's not actually a no, it's more of like an objection, just like a, oh no, I don't want to do that just now. Or, or, they, or they can't picture it, or they don't understand it, or they haven't done it before. Especially if you are putting an employer on the spot, they might go, they might just be wanting to think about it. So it's not a no, it's more just they need to actually communicate hey, I take your point, I'll go away, think about it. So maybe as an employee, you could pitch that. Hey, I'll give you the information, I'll summarise an email, how about we catch up on Friday and go through it again? Yeah, because you'll know your boss's personality. And there will be some businesses where you could have the most beautiful pitch, be amazing at your job, and your boss will just still say no. There's some terrible businesses out there. But then again, they don't deserve you if they're terrible. Correct. So there's also a point where you need to realise, right, 
I can't see a 10-year growth and succession plan in this company. How can I maximise what I'm doing because I'm still receiving money from the business that employs me, but maybe I do need to start looking elsewhere and what does that look like in my life? So how about we use an example, Matthew. What if I am a very set wage? So for example, I'm a... Accountant? Yeah, let's say I'm an accountant and I just go, right, I'm on $100,000 a year. It's just, it's more or less the average salary for my profession. I'm already getting paid, say, 10% more than I should be. How would you come across and say, I work in a team of 30 accountants at Grant Thornton. Why should I get a pay rise when the other people aren't? Super good question, right. Firstly, you have to start being exceptional, right? So for you to even ask for a pay rise, you would then need to say, you would need to, your actions, you'd need to be mentoring other people, you'd need to be helping other people. And in that position you just explained, the main way I can see for you to get a pay rise is bringing new business. So what I would say is I would work so I'm a leader within the office, I would work so I'm obviously a powerhouse, and then I would go to the bosses and I would say, hey, look, I, I'm really loving being here. I'm loving my job. I'm loving the people around me. I'm loving your leadership. I think I can provide more value to this business. If I go and get the company some more accounts, can I have a percentage of their billing? Like if I can go and get you new customers, more people, more revenue, would I be allowed a percentage of that account that I bring in? Yeah, and the other... Th- point of that is what a lot of you employees might not realize you have a lot of a cent and centric value as far as intrinsic intrinsic I was close <laughs> it's the, the centric it's, value is probably it's before me. 10 <laughs> <laughs> but a good example with Dan is like he's got a really good relationship with our suppliers with our contractors with our build methodology so he's got a value in his head where if he goes I know all this stuff as a business owner you realize that he does hold a lot of that business intellectual property in his brain. And it'd be the same with the accountant example. He'd go, well, I've been managing these 10 accounts for eight years. If I leave and go somewhere else, I have such a good relationship with them, I'm reasonably confident I can bring them over to my new firm. And yeah, as we I, see all the time... I wouldn't big, use that threat, though. I wouldn't use that example. Don't, yeah, But, but, but it, there'd be a way to true. articulate yeah. it. Like, hey, I've got these 10 clients. I've worked with them for a decade. They're very loyal to me. From when I started working with them to now, all of them have increased their numbers by X-fold. I see them every month, I know their wives, I know their children. I now want to try get more clients on board under that same pretense and that same loving care. Can I be financially remunerated if I can do that? Because most most bosses have some degree of ego problem. Now, if any of our stuff came to me with asking for a pay rise with a threat in there, like, if you don't give me X, I'm going to leave. I would just say leave. I wouldn't even think no, about it. No, I agree. Like, I, I just wouldn't tolerate that discussion. But if they came asking for more money with how much they love the company, what they're going to do to make the company better, I reckon I'd say yes, like 99.9% of the time. Yeah. So it just shows it's not actually that hard. But the main thing in summary is more showing the employer what value you're going to bring for that pay rise. Because the flip side of it is... If someone's worked for six months, say an apprentice, and says, hey, I want a pay rise, I've been here six months, it's sort of, you sign an employment contract to do X for X hours for X pay. So if the pay's going up, either the hours are changing or the roles are changing, 
yeah, because well, or, or your or your ability has changed. Yeah. So you yeah. just need to really understand what one of those things have changed when you ask. Don't just ask because you go, I've been here a year, so I'm entitled to a pay rise when I'm actually reason. doing the exact same job. But then there's actually a counter argument of inflation's two percent. If you're not getting a two percent pay rise every year, you're actually going backwards. Yeah. That's a good Which point. Which is just a whole nother podcast about how ridiculous inflation is. Yeah. So look, in summary, number seven in Google makes more money than 90% of businesses. It is absolutely acceptable and amazing to be a badass individual within a business. Get out, grow yourself, provide value to that business. And then the other flip side is, as far as my contractor example, yes, that looks like you're starting your own business. But at the same time, you're not employing staff, you're just a sole contractor back to those businesses. And using that example, if you do still 40 hours a week as a contractor instead of 40 hours a week as an employee and you double what you're earning, in that example, you have another $70,000 a year to spend or invest. And if you just go onto a compounding interest calculator and put $70,000 in for, say, the next 30 years compounding at 8 to 10%, it'd be millions of dollars difference in your life versus yeah, if you can, just do yeah. nothing. Yeah, buy real estate. <laughs> yeah. So although it might seem like a big step, you really got to plan out what difference would this make in my life if I make and implement these changes now. Easy. Easy, easy, easy. Right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Now, as as we've been doing for the last few episodes, there is a payment. If this podcast provided value to you, please share it with one like-minded friend. The views are going crazy. We appreciate you guys so much. Have an amazing day.